0: it would be pictures of me at a coffee shop uh, just in front of a computer, reading and researching for my dissertation. So that would be super boring pictures. But uh, at the very end of my sabbatical, uh, Lindsay and I and our two kids along with some family who come alongside of us, went to Hawaii and went to Oahu, the island of Oahu, spent uh, most of our time there. We did so much snorkeling. I kind of look like a, a dork in this, but snorkeling just kind of makes you look like a dork. Um, But we had a blast. Uh, We got to go to Kualoa Ranch and uh, drive UTVs, and our kids just loved being in the water. I mean, they just were obsessed with uh, snorkeling and seeing all the uh, turtles and fish, and just had a blast. Uh, A great time to Uh, to connect as a family and and spend some time away, um, recharging, feeling rested and and ready to go. That last picture, George, if you could go to the last picture of my kids, uh, we took that picture on our second to last day um, when we were at uh, Huqie Beach, which is gorgeous. It has the softest sand, I think, on the island. It was amazing. Um, And 10 minutes later, after taking this picture, Uh, we received word that D was going to have his credentials taken and that he would no longer be our pastor for the foreseeable future. And if you're like me, you're holding a lot of different emotion around that. I feel like I've hit every stage of grief in thinking about all that's taking place with D. And our minds are not far from him. Our, our hearts are not far from him, thinking and praying for him and Kay as, as they kind of look towards the future and our minds and hearts have not gone far from our own future here at the church. I'm certain every one of us is taking account of that. And I wanna I tell you this morning that I, I don't know the future, none of us do. We don't. But what we can say firmly and why we come and gather each Sunday here as we come together as a church to lift up Christ, with no agenda beyond that, to be together and worship a God who gives us life and breadth that cares deeply for us. And D, and I will still... <laughs> I might get in trouble for this. I'm still going to refer to him as Pastor D, no matter what credentialing thing might be. He still, <laughs> he still ministers to us. And he may not be speaking and teaching and praying publicly, but he still ministers to us. And I know firmly that the Christ that D continually speaks of from this pulpit, that taught from, is the same Christ that calls us into a deeper sense of community, a deeper longing for what it is to follow follow God. And so we come together, not as a community to rabble-rouse or to like be frustrated together, although that's a part of it, that's crying out to God. We come ultimately to worship God, and that's why I come and, and preach for where I'm preaching from this morning, which is Exodus 3. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there. It'll also be on the screen. I'm reading from the NRSV version. Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian. And he led his flock beyond the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of a bush. He looked, and the bush was blazing, yet it was not consumed. Then Moses said, I I must turn aside and look at this great sight and see why the bush is not burned up. And when the Lord saw that he had turned aside to see him, God called to him out of the bush, Moses, Moses. And he said, Here am I. I have heard their cry on account of their taskmasters. Indeed, I know their sufferings. And I have come down to deliver them from the Egyptians and to bring them up out of the land to a good and broad land, a land flowing with milk and honey to the country of the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Amorites and the Perizzites and the Hivites and the Jebusites. The cry of the Israelites has now come to me. I... I have also seen the, how the Egyptians oppressed them. So come, I will send you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? And he said, I am with you. And this shall be the sign for you that it is I who sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall worship God on this mountain. But Moses said to God, if I come to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your ancestors has sent me to you, and they ask me, what is his name? What shall I say to them? And God said to Moses, I am who I am. He said further, thus you shall say to the Israelites, I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, thus you shall say to the Israelites, and the Lord, the God of your ancestors, the Lord God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever, and this, my title for all generations. The word of the Lord. Uh, It's... Wow, Exodus 3, this is one of the most iconic passages of Old Testament scripture, if not the entire Bible. uh, Dr. Brad Kelly has started a cinema class called Old Testament in the Cinema. Uh, If you're at Point Loma, check it out. It's awesome, I bet. I haven't taken it. Um, But if Dr. Kelly were a very patient man and didn't want to uh, labor his students, uh, or or maybe wanted to, um, he could do the entire class on movies on Moses. So many, obviously, iconically, there's the Ten Commandments, but also, most recently, uh, Christian Bale in Exodus, Gods and Kings. And we have, I mean, if you have kids, you immediately think the Prince of Egypt. But there's 10, 12 movies just on Moses. And not only that, centuries, Millennia of Jewish people have read Exodus 3 and have known and understood their identity as a people chosen by God. They look to this passage for understanding about who they are and how they engage with God, who this God is, as revealed through Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. It's an iconic passage. It's celebrated every Passover that Moses, inspired by God, called by God, leads the people of Israel out of slavery from Egypt. And this passage continues to inspire, not just cinematically, but when thinking about the, the slaves and the Annabelle himself. They read this passage or recited this passage as a way of continuing the faith in Yahweh, in God. They called somebody who, Harriet Tubman, who helped slaves leave slavery, get to freedom, they called her Moses. This is a deep, rich passage. One that, as a white guy from Sacramento, hard exactly to link up with. I have never experienced any type of oppression. I don't know what experiential knowledge I can provide to this text because I have never been marginalized. I have never been enslaved. I don't know that type of suffering in my bones. But what I do know and what is clear from this passage is a revelation of who God is in the world, how God interacts with God's chosen people. And so here you have Moses, who not two chapter, or a chapter earlier has run away from his home country of Egypt. And even how Moses has life entirely is because of some women who were pretty crafty and were able to sneak Moses into a situation in Pharaoh's household to be able to be fed, even though he was a Hebrew boy. And that Pharaoh was killing Hebrew boys. And Moses finds that he is a part of this group of people, the Egyptians. He's born and raised, in the, not born and raised, but he's raised in this household, and yet he's Hebrew, and he finds himself in kind of no man's land. He ends up empathizing with a, a Hebrew who has been uh, beaten and by one of his uh, taskmasters, his slave masters, and kills that slave master thinking no one saw it. And yet, word gets around that this Egyptian slash Hebrew has now killed an Egyptian, and he's ending up on the run. He's not quite Hebrew. He wasn't raised in a Hebrew household, and he's not quite Egyptian, and he's being pursued by the Pharaoh for murder. And so he runs into the desert, runs to Midian, And as he's going about his work as a part of Jethro's household, he sees a light. He sees a fire burning but not consuming the bush in which it is dwelling. And that catches his attention. And he thinks to himself, what is that about? A fire burning yet not destructive. And so he goes and checks it out. And he stumbles on a calling by God. And God says to him, I am the God of your ancestors. I am the God who did this creation. I am the God who knows the cries of my people. With all that they have, all they've lamented, all they've suffered with, God has observed, God has heard their cries. He knows his people. And he says, and I've come down to deliver them. And I'm sending you. Notice the verbs in the text. How God describes himself. God who observes and hears. God who engages, comes down, delivers. This is clearly a God who's paying attention. Hears the lament of the people and responds, that God is present and acting creatively to empower Moses. He's speaking out of, a, out of a bush that is not being consumed, that is not being destroyed, and invites Moses to be a part of a liberative act, to liberate God's people from slavery. And Moses' response is, Me? You want to send me to talk to Pharaoh? I mean, I know that Pharaoh. He's not a great guy. (laughs) He wants to kill me. And yet, this is what Moses has been called by God to do. To confront Egypt. To confront the Pharaoh. Now, um, I was raised... Uh, with good, awesome parents who taught me the ways of Star Wars, uh, and I, as as early as I can remember, like I remember the the VCR like full set of Star Wars uh, with all of the great artwork, and we would watch them all the time. And uh, Star Wars is like a pretty significant role in my life. <laughs> And so, whenever uh, we would watch it, I was just enamored with the music. The the music in Star Wars is iconic, right? Especially that, like, immediately you'll know that, like, exactly what the feeling is when I sing dun da 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 Right? You're just already filled with dread, <laughs> and you see the flowing cape of Darth Vader going walking through. Right? Well, as you think of Egypt and you think of the, the power of Pharaoh, it's not a mistake to immediately start singing ba 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 when you think of the Egyptians because they're the evil empire. They're the ones who have enslaved this people, are putting them to task to death. And so when God says, Hey, Moses, you're going to go fight Darth Vader. Yeah, Moses is like, what? Me? No. Who am I? Who am I to go up against the most powerful, evil person that I know of? And the thing that God says to him is, I'm with you. I will be with you. Because it's not about Moses' capability, it's about God's presence and working in the world. It's about God's presence, creative as it is, not destroying the thing it inhabits, but giving new life to a people, to a person in Moses and a people in Israel that are lacking it. Because there is this evil empire that does not think of you as human. Much like the Galactic Empire and much like the Egyptians, they see the people of Israel as a means to an end, a way to extract as much wealth for themselves. And so they commodify everything and they use violence and the threat of violence to keep the whole imperial system in check, in line. And so Moses is called by God to confront this evil spirit, this spirit of empire. And Moses' response is, why me? What, what, what am I to do? And God's encouragement is, I will be with you. God's presence, God's name I am who I am. Reflects the very creative, subversive power of the divine. Moses has had this moment where he's called to do something that is beyond his imagination, beyond what he thinks is capable, and the thing that gets him there is the creative, burning power of God. And So Moses asks, Who shall I say who sends me? God responds, I am, me, the one who hears, the one who knows the suffering of the people. What's beautiful is that Moses is not the only one. Moses is not the one who's ever gotten this call. There's a young woman who's faithful to God, fully unknown, has no past, has no reputation, is just faithful to God. Is not any stature or power in the world, and, and she's in even a pretty vulnerable place. And God tells her, you're gonna be with child, even though she is unmarried. It's surprising When you turn to Luke chapter 1 and see that the call on Mary is so just comparable to the call on Moses, that Mary, ordinary, nothing special about her, Mary, faithful to Yahweh, is called by God to incarnate God in the world. And the same spirit that was with Moses is with Mary. And that same spirit that was with Moses and was with Mary is the same spirit that was incarnate in Jesus. That liberative power, that power that is seeking the best for people to unbind them from slavery, to unbind them from authoritarian rule. And that same spirit, that same burning fire that shows up in the burning bush, is the same spirit that is poured on the disciples in Pentecost. That same spirit that calls Moses, that spoke to Mary, that was incarnate in Christ, that was poured out to the disciples, dwells in us. And we are not consumed. We are not destroyed. This is a fire that burns in us. Not not a fire of destruction, not a a tool for authoritarian rule as if we could make everything right by power alone. This is a power that is sent by God that is a creative, present, life-giving power. And that same power is in us, but we cannot ignore how Moses gets there. It is out of the crying out of the people. We cannot ignore our own place, our own laments, our own fears, our own frustrations, our own feelings of chaos. We can't do that. If we aren't crying out to God, We are not in tune with where God might be calling us. If we don't consider our own place, the stuff we got going on, the hurts and the frustrations, if we aren't taking that up to God, we won't be hearing the rest of the music, the music of new life, of liberation, of a power to confront powers that just seek to take everything from you. Because there is a light, there is a fire that the Holy Spirit brings on us, that empowers us to be like Christ in the world, confronting evil, comforting the hurt. That's what, I think it's what Christ was praying when he said, your kingdom on earth. Let us pray that we might be a part of a radical community of love that is truly seeking to bring heaven on earth, to co-labor with God, and to know that our work is empowered by the God of Moses, of Mary, those disciples on Pentecost. That the fire in that bush does not destroy us, but empowers us to be that community. This time, I'd love to invite. I'd like to invite Russ up to lead us in communion.